Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson. Coming to you Thursday evening uh, with the news and notes of the day surrounding Oklahoma football. First time we've been here on the mic since OU's loss to Texas Tech to end the regular season. And since then, we have learned a lot of things about Oklahoma and about the future and about, well, more specifically, who the Sooners play in a bowl, which will be Florida State coming up later this month. Grant, uh, I got to praise you for putting together the rundown today. It looks good. It looks like we have a lot of things to talk about. So congratulations. And uh, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and give you a, you know, a, a pat on the back before I go ahead and just kick you aside because you predicted OU would play Iowa in a bowl game and OU's not playing Iowa. You were so wrong about that. I was wrong about that. I'm sorry. But, I mean, that would have been – honestly, I, I would have enjoyed that matchup a lot more than the one that they got. Um, I don't know. I Man, guess yeah. I know, I know very little about Florida State. Yeah, yeah, and you know the 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 worst part about it, the reason why this this irritates me so much is that, and like I'm not Florida State's not a bad team, but they're also not that good either. Um, they've been playing really well lately, but they're just they're just kind of they're just kind of okay. They're they're really not overwhelmingly great. OU at 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 full strength, I probably would have been a favorite in this game. Um, but of course, you know they're you know uh, Eric Gray and and Anton and Anton Harrison, sorry. The two best players on the team this year are not going to be playing in this game, uh, which hurts. One, because Eric Gray has pretty much carried the entire offense. Anton Harrison would have been going against Jared Verse, who is by far Florida State's best player. Um, could easily see him, him, you know, given Aaron Parks or, or Tyler Guyton, whoever has that tackle spot, quite a bit of quite a bit of issues in, in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're going against a Florida State team, like I said, is not that great, but they're also kind of hot right now, and they have a lot of momentum, and none of their players are sitting out, and they're really, really excited to play in the bowl game, and I have a feeling that OU is probably the exact opposite of that, and so that's just unfortunate. By the way, let's see, I was looking this up before we started, so uh, you predicted, uh, predicted OU versus Iowa. Iowa instead gets to play Kentucky in a bowl game, in, in a game in which the total for the game is set at 31 and a half, <laughs> which uh, those that listen to this show all the time will recall you know, maybe you know, one of our last episodes when, what, was it Iowa-Minnesota? Yeah, Iowa-Minnesota, the total, I think, was of that game was 32 or 32 and a half. So this game's even, even you know, lower than that. And the Iowa-Minnesota game, Grant, the under hit. So, uh, you know, Thoughts and prayers to those of you who want to watch Kentucky Iowa, of which I'm sure there'll be many people out there who do. It's also I'm pretty sure it's Iowa's third string quarterback against Kentucky's backup as well. So that'll be fun. Oh wow! Uh, personally, I was hoping that OU would match up against Wisconsin in a bowl game. I saw you know for a time being the Sooners were uh, you know in, in those those bowl predi uh, prediction articles, their projection articles that people will write. That for some reason people will read them in like October, like who cares? Uh, but whenever the season kind of starts getting to the end, okay, fine, sure. Especially this season, whenever Oklahoma was, you know, not even, uh, not even, uh, you know, sure of a bowl game until late in the year, it was like, all right, I guess the Sooners never really playing these types of games. I guess I'll look at these projections, Grant, because I, this is kind of uncharted territory where they're going to play. But anyways, I thought uh, I was hoping that OU would play Wisconsin because. You know, one of my well, one of my best friends went to Wisconsin. I got some friends. You, know, you got some friends that went. You know, went to Wisconsin as well. I'm assuming. And plus, you hate Wisconsin because you're a you're a gopher. That's so why I thought my, that would be my interesting. Second least favorite college football programs, the Wisconsin Badgers. Hate those guys. Yeah. So I was kind of hoping that would be the matchup, and then potentially be a situation where you know I I could go to the game uh, with one of my really good friends, one of my best friends, because you, know, you know when's the next time OU and Wisconsin are going to play. Although I, I do think maybe they're scheduled to play in like a decade or so. I might have to double check that. But, uh, you know, that's that's a long time from now. But anyways, that was who I was hoping OU would play. And, you know, it turns out it's a team that none of, you know, we didn't even think about. It's Florida State, a team that, uh, again, nine and three. You talked about them a little bit. They've had a good season. And, oh, uh, it's the Cheez-It Bowl, Grant. And I'm pretty sure that you were uh, vehement, vehemently uh, against Oklahoma playing in the Cheez-It Bowl. Am I correct about that? Uh, yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid. A bowl being it's, called the Cheez-It Bowl is really stupid. And it's like it's like it's one of those things I kind of resent that the only way to like not be bitter about it is you have to just kind of lean into the absurdity of it, which is like what they do. I mean, they have like the 
They have the cheesehead mascot who kind of looks like the old Burger King King mascot from the from the 2000s in there, but instead he's a cheesehead and it's weird. And they just kind of they they really just lean into it, but it's it's stupid. It's like it's like we're already making a mockery of the bowl season and nobody cares about it anymore. And like this is why it's because of stuff like this. Uh, yeah. So I find it interesting as well that the way the bowls are picked and everything. Clearly, the Cheez It Bowl value to OU. I think maybe over some other Big Twelve teams. They figured they want the brand of Oklahoma. Uh, that instead of certain, that's I, certainly what happened because. Yeah, I mean, if they if they were going by like kind of like what the what the sort of the guidelines are, yeah, it probably would have been OU versus Wisconsin and the the guaranteed rate bowl or you know whatever it's supposed to be. And you know what? That would have in terms of like football of where the teams are, that just would have been a lot better matchup. Um, but that's not how it works. And uh, instead, OU is about to kind of I don't want to say they're running into a buzzsaw because I think that's given Florida State a little bit too much credit. Uh, but they're definitely going up against a team that very very much wants to be there and uh i don't know if you could have said the same thing about wisconsin to be honest with you last i checked i think ou was a seven and a half point underdog and when the bowl game was announced uh, on sunday the action network had a quick random lineup of florida state minus a point just minus one i don't know if that was actually an opener if that was just action network just doing their own thing uh, i i saw that line initially and thought that's that can't be right and i don't i don't think it was i think it op- i think it's it opened at seven and a half and it stayed there all week but you know we got but that's also a few weeks that, to talk about the, the i think line. we talked about that a little that didn't surprise me because sp plus likes ou by three and a half so that's and like but i said i mean still, vegas and all the still, lines though, are pretty much with all the yeah and, and like i'm sure right right when it was announced that was maybe before the action network you know factored in that you know, Gray, Harrison, Morris, and Redmond weren't going to play? Well, I mean, does SP Plus, though, will it still like Oklahoma with all of the players out, though? It doesn't. It, it doesn't factor for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so you talked a little bit about Florida State, kind of where they are, and, and I agree. I mean, they're a team that's probably going to want to be there. What, first-year head coach? They, they won a lot of games. That you know, they beat LSU early on in the season. Turns out LSU and Florida State ended up being pretty good teams. Um, I don't, again, like I said, I don't know much about Florida State. How much do you want to get into the Seminoles right now? Um, no, we don't need to. We don't need to. I, um, well, we'll, we'll have an entire preview episode. <laughs> but also, like I said, I mean, their team is Jordan Travis and Jared Verse. They're like, by, that's, that's kind of, that's how their team operates. I know that they got a couple of explosive running backs as well who are who are averaging over six and a half yards a carry. And so that'll kind of, you know, that'll be a big part of it. Uh, but this is a team that that played in uh, the ACC sucks. The ACC is not a good conference. Um, and I, and I, I do think this Florida State team is probably a little bit more limited than their ranking and their record suggests. Uh, but they also you do have to give them credit. They have been playing really, really well, have won five in a row. Four of those five wins have been legitimate blowouts, um, and so that that you, you do have to take them seriously just because they are a team that is excited, playing well, and has a lot of momentum, uh, which is the exact opposite of what Oklahoma has been this entire season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the players who have entered the transfer portal. By the way, we do have some comments on the West of Everest Facebook page that we will get to uh, when we talk about the portal and and. You know, all of that, all of that stuff, maybe we'll, we'll answer some of the questions you all have, but uh, we'll get to that towards the end of the show and we'll hit on anything we haven't talked on yet. And so I'm looking at this list that you've compiled here, Grant, of players who have entered the portal. And it's a very long list, but the big takeaway for me and probably for a lot of you out there is that Oklahoma hasn't lost any real impact players to the transfer portal as of now. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, there's not like a lot of guys who are just like, ah, geez, I don't know how they're going to recover from that. Um, I, you know, the, the, the two biggest players that have entered are, are Theo Weiss and, uh, uh, geez, <laughs> Theo Weiss and Josh Ellison uh, are, the, are the two, you know, most uh, contributors over the course of their career that are in there. But still, I mean, you, you look up and down the list, I see 15 scholarship guys. And uh, that's just a lot. A lot of these guys are, 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 are four-star recruits too. Clayton Smith also leaving. Um, so that closes the book on a really disappointing two years with, with OU. 
he was a guy I honestly thought when I watched this stuff, I thought he was kind of can't miss. And that clearly wasn't the case. And so we'll, we'll see where he ends up. But um, I think it's, it's probably going to end up with something like Clayton. But he's probably just not any good, I, I would assume, is the case. So, which is, which is too bad. It's, I mean, OU's got, has, has not had a lot of luck at all with the, with the five-star recruits. Uh, that's, that's very clear. I mean, there's, there's three five-star recruits um, on this list I'm looking at that are portaling out for OU. Theo East, Clayton Smith, and Bray Walker. Hmm. Yeah, I'll just, I'll name the list you have here. Theo Weiss, Clayton Smith, Nick Evers, the quarterback, Joshua Eaton, Josh Ellison, Jordan Mukes, Kendall Dennis, Brian Darby, Trevon West, Bryson Washington, Bray Walker, Cavante Henry, Alton Tarber, Cedric Roberts, and Joseph Huete. And you, know, you mentioned a few of those guys already. And yeah, I mean, Theo Weiss, yeah, he's the biggest name, but I mean, he had 19 catches this past year. He's leaving because he doesn't have a role. He couldn't carve out a role. Uh, and... Clayton Smith, yeah, it's it's stunning. He wasn't able to figure it out. Like his high school tape was something else. You know, like his athleticism, uh, athleticism jumped off the film. I mean, he was a defensive lineman playing wide receiver when he played offense, and he was mossing people. He was running by people down the field. Looked really fast. I I, I just I don't get how this guy couldn't find a spot, and he couldn't figure it out under two you know two defensive schemes, Grinch and Brent Venables. Uh, Josh Ellison, you know that. Kind of a head-scratcher, right? Because he wasn't as productive this year and didn't play as much in the Brent Venable system as he he played in Alex Grinch's system, the Speed D. He had more tackles the last couple of years previously and fewer games played than he had this season. And at the same time, I mean, he's, he's an older guy. I think he only has like one year left. So I think he's almost certainly going to go tra- somewhere where he's going to be a full-time starter. So I, like whether oh, or not he no goes doubt. to like SMU or... You know, Houston yeah. or, or something like that to be a full time. I bet that's what he does. Yeah, you got the 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 random wide receivers who sometimes did things in Lincoln Riley's offense, Brian Darby and Trevon West, <laughs> and they they couldn't carve out a role in Jeff Levy's offense. Not a thing. So, no surprise, they're out the door. You know, it's just you go through the list here. I mean, Nick Evers going, not surprising. Well, Nick, Ever- I mean, let's uh, let's let's talk about Nick Evers because I think that was. Outside of Theo Weiss, um, that's probably been the the most notable one, the one that's that's generated the most reaction, probably out of the fan base that entered the portal. And so I, I'm probably not the right person to be talking about this. Um, I at no point in time was ever a Nick Evers believer. Uh, I saw, I watched his high school tape for ten minutes and said, "This guy is not any good." Um, and so, I, what do you think about Nick Evers? I know a lot of people are really disappointed about this. Um, and I, I know that goes back to the Texas game as well. When you saw Davis Bevel, who could, I mean, they weren't even functional. Um, I always said that that says a lot about Nick Evers as well. Um, what, what do you think? What, what, what do you think about the Nick Evers thing? I think it'd be weird to have strong, like a strong take on Nick Evers in a positive direction uh, because you, there's no reason, there's zero evidence for you to have a, a thought on him as, as like, wow, this is a big loss. Unless, I, I guess, unless you liked his high school tape or something and you, 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 know, you look at his recruiting rankings, he was a four-star and maybe you know the family or something. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you hear he's a good kid, but so what? I mean, there's a lot of good kids out there. Uh, so he, the question is, like, we're going to find out about Nick Evers wherever he goes. If he ends up playing and he's good, that's a huge indictment on Jeff Lebby that he wasn't able to identify uh, that this guy could throw forward passes for a couple games better than uh, – than Davis Bevel <laughs> and that's like th- that was that's the thing right like if Oklahoma had anything better than Davis Bevel you would have thought they'd put it out there and that's he like was that's awful. I think that's that was a frustrating thing too because another person that is in the portal that I didn't put on this list because he's not a scholarship guy is I mean this is kind of a joke but I'm dead serious is Ralph Rucker um whenever we saw Ralph Rucker and and the weird you know garbage time and the two years against FCS teams under Lincoln Riley yeah he's better than Davis Bevel he was. So what happened? Yeah. What happened? I mean, he like, was why? the he was the quarterback behind Rattler and Caleb William. He was the third string guy as a walk on. Uh, and so yeah, that's so like I'm, another yeah. You you put that in. That's another. If you if you really want to, it's maybe another kind of red flag on Jeff Lebby as well. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, so but, my my big thing here, Lee, is I I, I wanted to because you're right. You can go up and down this list. 
And there's not a lot of guys you said, okay, yeah, he was going to be a difference maker. He was going to be a difference maker. But maybe symbolically, this is just a big deal because coming into this season, one of the narratives was, oh my gosh, there's so much roster turnover. It's ridiculous. How are they going to... And and we were always on this podcast saying, ah, that's, that's kind of overplayed. There really is not as much roster turnover as people are saying that there is. Um, and and I, I really think that was true. They, they brought back a lot of guys who Lincoln Riley had recruited and had been in this program. Um, that's going to be the exact opposite this season. They're going to have way more roster turnover uh, from this season to next season, you know, than they did at this time last year. Um, and I think that worries me for a couple of reasons. Lee, one, we are we're just we're in uncharted territory right now. The transfer portal is totally new. These new rules with NIL and everything is totally new. If you have just been following anything this week, you start to realize just how different the landscape is and everything, and how year to year how um, year to year how rosters are going to turn over radically. And we're starting to see that happen in real time. So we've already talked about these 15 guys who are scholarship players who are in the portal right now. That doesn't even account for the guys who don't have eligibility left or going into the draft. OU's going to be replacing about 30 guys on their roster this year. And that's, that's just right now. I'm sure more people will leave after the spring. And so, after, you know, I bet it's going to end up being from right now until the start of the season, it's probably going to be a difference of like 40 guys, I would guess. There's going to be 40 new guys. And that's that's just much, much bigger turnover than there was last year. And what we saw last year wasn't great. So that could either be a blessing or a curse. I mean, it's, they have to, I, I say all of this, they have to nail the transfer portal this year. No ifs, ands, or buts. They have to. They have to nail the transfer portal this year and this first 2023 class that Brent Venables is about to sign, they have to nail this as well because they didn't really nail the last one. And I can tell they, you know, in this in this uh, class of guys who are Portland, man, they've already lost 60 percent of their defensive line class from the 22 class. That's bad. That's already really bad. That's not good. With probably already just like their their thinnest position group on the entire team right now. I mean, based off of the recruiting rankings, Cavante Henry is their biggest loss. He's the only four-star that's in the portal of the and, that and you class. know, and hey, our, our Mason Thomas and, and Grayson Halton, they're, they're, those guys are clearly going to be key players over the course of their career at OU. I, you know, I I think everyone would it, it, you know wouldn't think that's crazy, but also, I mean, they they had five guys who who were playing on the defensive line coming to the twenty-two class, and three of them just left. That's not great for. Not great for continuity, not great for culture building. So now you're gonna, you're really gonna rely on bringing, honestly, a couple of guys into the portal right now who you hope, who you hope fit the system, fit the culture. And right now, you don't know if that's the case. That could be a coin flip. Yeah, and the thing is, every school is gonna deal with this though. And I, I, I don't have it in front of me. You know what Texas is dealing with, what uh, Baylor's dealing. Like I, I guess I don't know. I mean, I'm just. It seems like a lot of schools are are dealing with a lot of players getting in the portal because that's the time that we're in now. And so the question is, you know, how, do, how does everybody handle it? And when you're a school like Oklahoma, I mean, your odds of getting good players or better players out of the portal is certainly better than if you're a team like, you know, like a lower tier team. And that's kind of a, a, a big criticism a lot of people have about this transfer portal era is that, you know, heck, a school like Oklahoma State, like we kind of saw it a little bit last year with, I can't think of that. It was a uh, Tanner McAllister. I think he transferred to like Ohio State. He followed Jim Knowles. You know, he he goes from Oklahoma State, who's a you know big time program, but not you know not Ohio State. Uh, and and you're going to get players that transfer out of Group of Five schools that go to bigger schools like OU and Oklahoma State. So OU's in position to get good players out of the portal. And and you look at the guys they got last year out of the portal. I mean, you go down the list of all the. I mean. Like, almost all of them contributed big time. I mean, McCabe, Mattire, sure, but Dylan like, Gabriel. They contributed, but were any of them like really good players, though? Well, I mean, yeah. I, how many? I mean, good that's the, that's you, what you, you want. You I mean, get, it's though. the best. Uh, like, obviously, the you know the most impactful was Dylan Gabriel, obviously. But outside of that, the best player is probably C.J. Colton. Uh, let's see, going down the list. Yeah, maybe. A lot of guys, I mean, like Jeffrey Johnson played a lot. You know, Joe, yeah, he Jonah was just, he's just fine. I mean, he's – and Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe and Jalen Redmond are obviously all better than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess my point I is, just, though, is that – yeah, my, my point is that it's – the portal is not, is not a sure thing. 
and they did get guys who contributed this year, Lee, but they went six and six. And so, like, what? Well, why? Why should we I have? Mean, how confidence? much of that was on the players? How much was that on you know the coaching staff? You know, we've we've had. I don't this know. I mean, I know. I I I like you're right. Like none of the transfer guys were great players. Like I, Dylan Gabriel is the least talented quarterback I've ever seen at Oklahoma. That doesn't mean he's the worst, but he's the least talented. Um, and C.J. Colton, I, I thought was by far the best of the transfers. Him and and then you know I'd probably throw Jonah Laulu in there as well. Let's see. And I wouldn't say any of those guys were like, you know, outstanding or great or anything. And that's and so I think there's like, hey, I like there's no reason to panic. There's there's a lot of good players in the portal right now. Are they going to be able to get them? I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams that are going to be going after them, and I'm sure there's a lot of teams who can probably offer some pretty enticing packages to get a lot of those guys. Can OU match that? I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. So there's some there's some uncertainty going on. Well, speaking of a lot of players in the portal that Oklahoma could potentially get, we already know they've gotten, what, two? Two for sure? And you got this here in the rundown. And, you know, the big one, the, the one that's just, like, you see and you hear, like, huh? Austin Stogner is coming back to Oklahoma. It's like, all right. Like, and I looked at his numbers from South Carolina. I'll bring him up. I'll, I'll search it. Like, he didn't do much this past year, did he? I think he had, like, maybe one touchdown. Yeah, well, he basically uh, had a... Uh He's had back-to-back similar seasons. He basically had his same season at South Carolina this season that he did last year for OU. Yeah, 20 catches, 210 yards, one touchdown. And, uh, I mean, technically he had a better year than 2021, but not by much. And, um, yeah, I just I don't really know. That's just, to me, that's just a body. Sorry. I mean, like, we, we both loved Austin Stogner early on, and then he kind of turned out to be just, not really impactful. So, no, like he's he is what he was a big body who was able to physically go up and, and you know and and body guys out to make physical plays on the ball. Like what we saw in, in in the Texas game, the one year where he caught that touchdown pass in overtime, um, and at, at other bedlam. times too, he, he had some other good games as well that season too, where he where kind of the light looked like it was coming on. Um, and then he got hurt against Kansas that year, and then I know he had some really scary kind of like infection stuff. That came after that, and he just, he just hadn't been the same since then at all. Yeah, that's it. That's you're exactly right. He just that that injury may have just, uh, yeah, it definitely. I mean, he is, he hasn't been the same since then. You're right. And so, but he is he like is he what was he is. Spencer he's Rattler's a, like favorite target. Before this is that. why I yeah he is he is a big body who can go over the middle and maybe body some guys up. The only problem is Dylan Gabriel is not capable of throwing the ball over the middle, so I don't think it really matters. Well, I guess maybe they could use him more. Even though I hate fades and stuff, I mean they could use him more like that in the red zone because yeah, his uh, you know, he had that. Oh, you did it like one time, bedlam in, in bedlam, and bedlam, and he made the play. It was like best play he ever made in his career. It looked great. He looked athletic. It was weird with a lot of body control. And you talk about how the defensive line, a lot of young defensive linemen have entered the portal for OU. The Sooners do have uh, they do have a, a Notre Dame transfer coming in named Jacob Lacey. Does that sound right? Not the not the Jacob Lacey. Isn't that the same guy from Oklahoma State? I think they have a Jacob Lacey over for the Cowboys. Yeah, there was a um, oh, there's a Jacob Lacey. There's a corner who played in the NFL, played for the Colts for a while too. I think that guy went to Oklahoma State as well. Who am I thinking of? Maybe maybe it's not Jacob Lacey. I don't know. They might be both. I think they. I think Oklahoma State may have had two Jacob Lacey's oh, yeah, who played is, defense there's... in the last like 15 years. One of them was a defensive lineman. The other was a corner. And now OU has one on the defensive line. Uh, I don't know anything about this guy. I know he had, um, I think he had one kind of big game this year for Notre Dame uh, where he had a couple of like TFLs, maybe a couple sacks as well. But he also didn't really play in many games this year. So I, I don't know. What the, I don't know what his deal is. I, I'm not expecting him to be a massive like difference maker or anything like that. But he's a bot and man, they need bodies on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. See that's like that's where I'm that's where I'm getting concerned. Like they, they just they don't have a lot of good players on the defensive line. They have guys who are solid and are okay, but uh, I don't know, man. I they got a lot of work to do, and I I just in the portal. I don't know if you're going to get a bunch of massive big time contributors on the defensive line in the portal because those those are the guys that that programs want to keep the most. Yeah. By the way, I was half right. So they they did have a Jacob Lacey at some point, but. Uh, the most recent 
Oklahoma State player I was thinking of is Tyler Lacey. I don't know why I was thinking Jacob. Yeah, so, so Tyler Lacey is the guy that was just on Oklahoma State. Real nice guy. Uh, talked to him at Big 12 Media Days. Anyways, uh, okay, so how about this? You talk about defensive linemen and you know, play, you know, teams want to keep them, and that's you know, one of the most important position groups, if not the most position, important position group. Don't we think Oklahoma is supposed to be a school that's able to get a lot of really good defensive linemen because of uh, Todd Bates? They should, uh, but we don't. Is, is that? Yeah. But also, you're that's you're talking about freshmen, and that's not that's not you're not going to get instant results there. Right, and they're I mean, and they, I mean, who knows if Todd Bates tried to keep him on, and they're like, nope, sorry, we're we're going, or if it was a thing where they're like, well, nah, maybe you guys try to find another place. I don't, we don't know that. Uh, I guess we'll see what kind of players they bring in from the portal, but uh, they do have those two players. You know, committed already and you have here a list of some players that have Oklahoma offers by their names and there's some interesting ones there Graham if you want to go down that list yeah so I I don't really have them in order here um in terms of importance so the the big one that that kind of everyone thinks is I I, I don't want to I don't want to you know you know count the chickens before they hatch or anything um but so Dason McCullough or Dasan, I, I really don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm sorry. It, it's kind of the big one right now that everyone thinks is, is, is heading to OU. And so he's kind of like an edge linebacker cheetah type thing. He's like 6'4", 210 right now. Uh, he was all Big Ten honorable mention as a freshman. He was also a, a, he was a big time blue chip recruit in the 2022 class as well. And uh, I think OU is in on his brother right now, who is a senior in high school and a four-star corner. Um, and so they think that those two are a package deal. And so, hey, I don't know, I don't know a ton about this guy other than that he's supposed to be a freak athlete. Uh, he was the best recruit that Indiana ever got in their history. And I guess he was, I mean, he, he played a lot for them as a true freshman, was really good for him, um, is, the, is the word. So uh, it sounds like OU is in pretty good position for that guy. Um, and we'll see kind of how that goes on. But Lee, the, the one, there's, there's just, there's two guys in particular that I really want, really want OU to go after hard. Um, and that is Dante Cephas, who is a guy that we saw earlier this year, wide receiver from Kent State, a guy that I said, you know, I watched his game against Washington and some of his stuff from last season. I said, oh, that's an NFL guy. I'd really like oh, to yeah. have him. 100%. Yep. 100% NFL guy. Um, and the other guy, yeah. other guy I really want is Dorian Singer, wide receiver from Arizona. Uh, he had he had like 70 catches and 1,100 yards this year and six touchdowns for Arizona. Uh, watch some of his tape. He reminds me a lot of Sterling Shepard. And uh, man, if they can if if they can uh, kind of replace some of the out outgoing guys that they're having at the skill positions with a guy like Cephas and Dorian Singer, I really really like those two guys. Um, really want OU to go after them hard. I know it's probably going to be tough. Cephas, I'm assuming, is going to have pretty much everyone after him. I would guess. Um, Singer, who is a guy who put up really good numbers in a Power Five conference, that's probably the same. Man, I, I really hope that they can focus up and they understand the urgency. They they need they need some more playmakers there, and I really hope they go after both of those guys hard. See, I recall the Kent State game after we you know, either before, or after, or whatever, or both. Uh, you know, Dante Cephas stood out, and then their other receiver. I remember thinking, oh, they got another NFL guy too, yeah, Devontae Walker. I was going back. So he's yeah, also Devon in the portal, but he is. He hasn't. Oh, is so he? I, I guess we don't know. We, we don't know. Cephas tweeted out that he got an offer from OU, so that's how we know. We don't know about Devontae's about Devontae's Walker. No, no reports that he's gotten an offer or OU is interested at all yet. Yeah, better year than Cephas. Uh, Nine twenty-one through the air, eleven touchdowns. Man, Cephas only had three touchdowns this year. So I mean, whatever. I don't know. Everything is you know different, circumstantial, but uh, boy, yeah. I mean, the Kent State. Kent State with two NFL receivers probably on their roster this this past season. Very interesting. But also, I, I kind of feel like so. Um, uh, Sean Lewis, I think, was their head coach. He is now the offensive coordinator at Colorado, um, and we'll we'll get into that and stuff like that. But it's I, you know I obviously wouldn't be surprised if Cephas goes to Colorado. I mean, that would yeah. His you know old offensive coordinator will be there, and yeah, that would make sense. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, there's some good names there. That there's a, a UTEP offensive lineman also that, with an offer from OU. Yeah, I, and that, I don't uh, I, I don't know anything about this guy. That's you know we'll just, we'll look at this, but he's uh, got an offer. He played right tackle for UTEP this year, uh, which means he played against OU. Um, 
but he was just he was first team all conference USA. That's pretty much all we know about him at this point in time. Um, I you know I don't think OU is in any position to to say no to any sort of all conference uh, FBS offensive lineman at this point in time. Uh, that sounds good to me. So bring him in. Um, another guy, uh, Braden Fiske, Western Michigan defensive lineman. I think he's I think he's a defensive end, uh, but he's you know he's got some decent decent you know stats in his career, but. I, I I can't imagine a, a defensive end from from Western Michigan with with modestly kind of decent stats in his career is, is going to be a huge you know playmaker or anything for OU. But uh, bodies they need bodies. Uh, let's go to the West of Everest Facebook page for some of your comments, questions, concerns, hot takes, whatever you guys have on there. We'll start with Zach. Zach says thoughts on the impact the portal will have on Oklahoma's win loss record next year. Uh, Zach, uh, obviously, way too early to even speculate on that. Uh, there's just you got to figure out who this, who's on the roster first. Uh, so, Frey, we well, can't I mean, really I'll answer, answer the question, question big time. It's huge. It's huge. It. Oh, you just oh, well. It's huge. Yes, it's there. How how well they do in the next from now until when the second uh, window closes after the spring is I, I think is big time going to determine how good of a season they have next year. They just, I, I, what they have coming back, and like that's not to say that they don't have some good players coming back. They, they, they do. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you can realistically say, yeah, it's going to get a whole lot better with those guys, especially if they're going to be replacing 40 dudes who you have to kind of retrain into the program. That's where you get, I mean, that's where degree of difficulty gets really, really steep, really quickly. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's gonna it have would, a huge impact because they got to replace so many guys. But I mean, it's just at this point, I'm not even sure if <laughs> it's just I I still want to find out if the the right coach has been hired. That's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I don't even. I mean, know, we're gonna man. find out. I mean, this is <laughs> yeah. He's. I mean, this being a coach, being a good coach, is not just game planning on Saturday. He's got to navigate this. He's got to understand the urgency. He's got to bring in some dudes. Period. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe I'll bring in some dudes from Clemson. They got and some guys in the like, portal. I've that's, seen. that's another big thing too. What if what if Clemson does like what if uh, Andrew McCuba or Brian Bercy hops into the portal? You can't you can't be playing nice in that situation. You just cannot. I think uh, I don't think he would. I I think if they wanted to come to OU and follow him, I think he'd take them. I mean, they they put a full year under their belt. I, I remember him talking. God, maybe was it a presser? Maybe I maybe I heard some inside info or something. I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm saying this now. I'm I'm out of the business, so you know who knows. But I I could have swore I heard something where you know Venables. I guess I can't confirm this because I I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't even remember where I got this information. Uh, you know, he may or may not have told certain players at Clemson. Hey, no, like give it some time. You know, if you give it a year, give it you know through spring ball, or whatever time, and, and you still want to come and, and play with me at OU, then you know we'll talk. And you know now a full season's gone, and so anyways, and I I feel like I heard something like that, and in my mind, uh, in my opinion, if any of those Clemson defensive players do want to come play for Venables, I I don't think he's going to say no just because of you know being nice to Dabo. That's I mean. I guess we'll find out if it comes up. Maybe, uh, sure, it would be nice to get some of those guys, though, right? I mean, obviously, that's yeah, that's, and that's like, I mean, that does that's maybe not even a thing. I mean, that's just I'm just I was just bringing that up as an example. You gotta, this is a situation you gotta go after it hard. I, I mean, there's, yeah. listen, I, 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 it's pretty clear that there's a lot of guys who are going to the transfer portal right now because they're just not any good. And you you just hope to God that there's that their roster is not dotted with dudes like that. But if it is, you got you got to aggressively patch those holes now. I, I I just it's I think it's a lot harder to build a program when you're going through growing pains. Winning is the best cure for everything. Always, always losing and does after not one do year, anybody any good ever. Yeah, and after one year, you'd you'd expect Brent Venables is in. Uh, I think maybe desperation mode is a little too dramatic, but he's got to have a, a big time sense of urgency, right? I mean, you can't you can't go back to back six and six. You, you can't. No way. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, this is that's where it's interesting. I like that's where I, I'm curious to see the level of urgency. Yeah, going that, into the they bowl can game. finish six and seven. They get, I yeah, mean, it's a gonna... losing season. That's embarrassing. 
you like all the people who thought that Texas was the you know was was the low spot, or which I, I mean I don't. Uh, West Virginia and Texas Tech I thought was way worse than Texas. Oh in yeah, terms of, way in worse. terms of bottom of the barrel stuff. That's why um, I, I never understood that because of I it, it whatever I don't need to get into it again. But man, like, OU did not have their quarterback guys like it. The, that worked up over that game was so dumb. Like the, when the game began and Dylan Gabriel wasn't available, you knew what was going to happen. So, I, anyways, that's a whole other thing. Uh, you're right, though. Yeah, the late game, West Virginia Tech. I mean, those were those were way worse. But I, way it's, worse. It would it would really suck to show up at the Cheez It Bowl and get run off the freaking field for a losing for the for the first losing season in 25 years. Yeah, like uh, you, watching, you think you think that would create some urgency? Yes. Well, I, I just yeah, that's kind of, and I think that's where we are now. And like, I I don't mean to be cynical, and and like, I'm, I'm sure we'll get some more positivities gone. But this kind of is the feeling I feel like a lot of people have for this bowl game. I think a lot of people think OU's just kind of stepping into a a dog pit right now. Like I, yeah, it's not I great. It's not great. I mean, you ready to see Mike Norvell and whoever the heck Florida State's quarterback is get get a, a cheese it bath. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they've been. I mean, That's Florida just... State has gone through. They, I mean, they've gone through some pain, man. Like they've they've gone through about four or five really bad seasons in a row now, maybe even more than that. And so I'm sure they're fired up. I'm sure they desperately just want to come out and roll. I mean, a, a ten win season for Florida State. I mean, that'd be their first ten win season in many many years, right? Six years. Uh, so uh, I think they six, whatever. I mean, I don't know. They beat Michigan in an Orange Bowl with Jimbo at one point in time. I think that was probably the last time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's they're, they're they got everything to play for. I mean, the OU's a helmet school, as our friend Brady Trantham would say. I mean, anytime you you play OU, people are gonna even if OU six and six, people you know have their attention. So yeah, it's and yeah, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be looking well, so is for Florida State though. Florida State's a, a, I mean, Florida State's a team though. I mean, OU should get up for Florida State too. I mean, that's a real team. Well, it's not. I'm, I'm, it's not that they're not gonna get up. It's just like they're kind of. We've seen this OU team this year. We know who they are. Mm-hmm. And like that's also, the, man, the ace. And now I, you have, yeah. and now they don't have the best offensive lineman in the Big Twelve from this season, and they don't have their best player the entire season going into this game. So it's my uh, my early, not you know don't know too much kind of crutch feel on this game is you know what if you're OU and and you hope OU wins. Just hopefully it, it, the, the case is that the ACC actually is not very good because I really don't think it is. And that's, that's OU's key to winning. <laughs> yeah, don't, like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm sure there is a ton of crap on tape on Florida State's defense that OU can probably really take advantage of. Like, I mean, just like, I mean, even with the tempo and just getting the ball out quick and just sort of the easy yards, I bet there's a lot there. Like don't and it sounds like Marvin Mims is playing in this game and so like OU is still going to have Dylan Gabriel and all their receivers, um, and so like yeah I mean they they can they could theoretically do some damage. It's just and and yeah. really I guess Jalen Redmond is the only person that they're not going to have on defense. All right, back ah, to the crap, West starting to talk myself into it because Florida State's overrated going into this game. They are, um, but uh oh, can you can you hear it in my voice? <laughs> well, you look at their schedule. And what I mean, they lost to all the best teams they played. I guess with the exception of LSU, which was Week One, and yeah, you know, we didn't know how good those teams were at the time. Like every every team that they played, that they like probably should have lost to, they did. And you know, outside of LSU, what's their best win? I guess I don't have their schedule in front of me. I did a second ago. Uh, Florida, uh, probably the last week of the season. And I mean, Florida was not anywhere near the same team they, as they were in September, right? So Yeah, and and that game was close, you know, and they had they had won four in I a scored. row like in blowout fashion before that. Again against against four pretty bad programs. Um and then they play a team Florida that's pretty pretty similar, you know, talent level in them and they play a really competitive game. Okay. Back to the West of Everest Facebook by the way, their their best win, oh, definitely uh 45 to 3 over Miami. Miami's good, right? You know, Mario Cristobal, great head coach. Oh, oh wait. No, no. They not playing in a bowl game this year. Um, all right, so let's go to Caleb's comment. Caleb on the West of Everest Facebook page, he says, heard someone say a couple guys could be coming from Oklahoma State. Do you know who? And if so, your thoughts on them. Uh, I'll stop there. I, I have not heard anything on, on, on this front. Have you? 
Yeah, he's referencing Braylon Presley and Trace Ford. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Trace Ford, I you know, I'm... He there seems to be healthy, man. He's, uh, as I say, I, I, don't, I don't know if OU should be interested in the corpse of Trace Ford. Um, I mean... He's, he really, and like, I'm... Listen, if, if Venables and his staff and Chavis, and they, they evaluate him and they think they should bring him in, that's fine. I, I, I do feel like a lot of OU fans are being excited about Trace Ford over six really good games in 2019. And we've had three seasons since then where he hasn't really done anything. I think he had some good games in 2022, COVID year, but you know that that that's a fake year though. Any success you had doesn't count. That includes you, Alabama, and your national title and uh, what's his name's Heisman Trophy. It doesn't count. Who cares? I mean, hot takes. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we'll right see. Now. We'll see. I I don't know about that. We'll just I. But also at the same time, like I'm. They just need a lot of guys. I mean, they, they need to probably take four or five defensive linemen in the portal. Like, that's... They, they got to restock that room. And if Trace Ford is one of those guys, then so be it, I guess. I just... I, I, I don't have a super strong opinion on that. My perception of Trace Ford is that injuries have completely derailed his career. Caleb has more on the West of Evers Facebook page. He says, what do you think about any coaching changes? I don't think any changes should really be made, but it does seem cool if we could have Malcolm Kelly as the wide receivers coach. So, I mean, we kind of talked about potential like questions and like, you know, will anything happen? I, I mean, I know a consensus. You listen to the Sooner Scoop guys. They talk about, um, you know, LaDamian Washington probably not going to be the wide receivers coach next year just because he was thrust into that job, into that role after Kel Gundy got fired. So, I mean, I know like I've heard Malcolm Kelly's name in the past of, I mean, obviously he's a he's a he's a Sooner, so it's like, hey, cool, Malcolm. He's a great he's a great player. Uh, I, is he considered to be a really good coach? I guess I don't even know that. I, I I've heard he's supposed to be a pretty good position coach. Yeah, I mean, but, I think so. I mean, he's about to he's very likely probably about to have a first round receiver to his resume, Quentin Johnson. So oh, that's right. Yeah, that'll be. I, yeah, I I don't know much. I love Malcolm Kelly. I think it'd be great um, if he came home. But also, there's a part of me that says, ah, you should be a little bit cautious. Kind of like the little the nepotism thing. Maybe we shouldn't bring too many people back from that era. Um, I'm I'm kind of starting to think that just because it just the principle of getting fresh eyes on things. You don't want to with that. I I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm actually with Ladamian Washington. Hey, he he might be a really good coach. Um, I think the question that should be asked right now is he the best wide receiver coach that OU could could get right now. Um, and and I. You would really, really hope the answer to that question is no. Um, and if, if, if they're not going to go after the best they can possibly get, then what are they doing? Um, and that's the same question to their defensive coordinator as well. Those are my two big ones right now. What are, what are we doing at those, with Let's those see. coaching positions? Harry on the West of Everest Facebook page, he just has a comedy. He says he can't wait for hashtag the return of the Stogber. Do people call him Stogber? Is that is that over my head? I don't know. And then he also says hashtag Stogdog, and then hashtag Austin Stogner. <laughs> so Harry excited about the return of Stogner. Uh, you know what? I hope that Austin Stogner is uh, what he was in the first part of the 2020 season uh, times ten. Harry, that would be fantastic. Yeah, man. Maybe one one off season with Schmitty will just do him do him really good. I. I don't know, man. That guy, that guy moves really awkwardly. <laughs> uh, and then longtime listener, Philip, he's got uh, some comments. Uh, I think he might have a question here. I haven't really read it yet, so we're going to do this uh, for the first time. Philip says, I know as super fans, we see through biased lenses, but now I think we can look back and see that this all kind of made sense. I think Philip's just referencing just going six and six. Philip says, new coach. New defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback coming off of an injured year. That's a good point. You kind of forget that Dylan Gabriel didn't play a whole lot in 2021 because of an injury. Uh, lost three best defensive players. Lost Oklahoma's second best wide receiver in Mario Williams. Austin Stogner transferred. Phillips says, I'll take six and six as a rebuild year. And my question is, how long will it take to return to the dominance we experienced before? Oklahoma only 
has maybe two years left in the Big 12. Hopefully, Oklahoma rebuilds before they hit the SEC. Well, so, I mean, Philip, you're saying positive. That's perfectly cool. I, I mean, I, the 6-6 six and six record is unacceptable in my mind because we talked about it over and over and over again. Uh, that even even with all, all the things that you listed, Philip, yet and, and you're right. I mean, there's all this new stuff, all this new stuff. It doesn't matter. You don't go six and six. They they should have won at least eight eight nine games. Uh, their win total was set at nine and a half for a reason. And I'm sorry, I know it sounds like a broken record, but Sonny Dykes comes in. Everything's new there. TCU was bad last season. They're going to the college football playoff. It's an extreme example, but based off of that, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Oklahoma with its roster. And the experience of Brent Venables, his uh, his resume, uh, you should you should win eight or, eight or nine games minimum. And uh, so that's that's my you know my point on that. As far as how long is it going to take uh, to get back to dominance, I don't know yet. I'll go back to what I said 10, 15 minutes ago. I don't know if Oklahoma has the right coach right now. I don't know, and we're going to find out in the next year or two. Yeah, I um, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I that's definitely a half glass full take, but. Um, it's hard to swallow that that four of their six losses were coin flip games that they made just a ton of head scratching decisions and mistakes in. Yeah, that's a. It's, it's a I, lot I, of coaching. I, I I can't get over the fact that a lot of I mean I, I feel like there's a lot of coaches, a lot of coaching staffs that in those exact situations would have gone four and zero in those games. They were there. They made so many mistakes. Yeah, I'm with you. But so we don't. Thank know. you for we, all. We the- don't know. And so, like that's 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 our first that's our first look at the action. That's the first season. So I don't know. There's there's nothing. The future is not written. There's nothing that says that Brent Venables cannot improve on these on these things. That Jeff Lebby can't improve. That Dylan Gabriel can't improve. But I don't know. I mean, there was there was enough kind of structural stuff that we saw that that failed when it needed when they needed it the most this season. That definitely leaves you concerned. At least that you know and that's a, that's where I am. Yeah, and and especially late in the season when they've had you know as many practices, you know, like they played plenty of games. It's not like you know the worst egregious mistakes that were made by everybody were in the first four games of the year. I mean, a lot of it was made in the last four games of the year. You know, whenever people like they should be better, you should be playing better. And the, and, and to just me, the, that's, that, that's a red flag too. And I, I still think the biggest red flag is their inability to see what everyone else saw with the tempo just not serving them well at all. And yeah. then just continuing to just Leroy Jenkins it <laughs> when everybody saw that it was hurting them and they just never adjusted. Biggest red flag in, in, in year one by far. Yeah. So thank you to you all who commented on the west of Everest facebook page we really appreciate it uh, apologize for being dark on the west of Everest facebook page of the podcast since the the regular season finale uh, it's just that's kind of the way it was i mean season ended ou's not very good uh you know no big 12 title game and we just took a break and you know we're back uh and, and it's good to at least cover everything that we've seen since then grant you've written down some other uh non really non-ou related college football topics where do you want to go next as we kind of wind down this podcast? What would you think? How would you think about the Big Twelve title game? Um, I, I'm I'm of that opinion. It's just kind of like it sucks for TC. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how you lose that game if you're TCU. Um, yeah, you just you, you just can't you. lose that game, but they did. So I, and they they weren't punished for it. They that you know the only thing that they get is just a sour taste in their mouth. That may be the most interesting thing about, I don't want to say this whole season, but just the last couple of weeks is that for the first time since the playoff became a thing, it wasn't one game, it wasn't two games, it was three conference title games where it really didn't matter who won. The, the, the team was going to go to the playoff either way, and that's, that's weird, man. Like that's Because there's only, I mean, the, the playoff is so small, like if there's ever one team every year where it's like oh if they usually it's a number one ranked team you know like they're undefeated and oh if they lose they're they're still probably going to make the playoff but I mean uh, that's crazy the top Michigan uh, Georgia and TCU and I I guess you can't really prove 
Michigan and Georgia. But the fact that TCU made it and still lost, I think it shows that also T- uh, Michigan and, and Georgia would have made it as well. I think that's just pretty interesting. I mean, it doesn't matter that much, but it just kind of shows you that for whatever reason, this year was kind of a, a bizarre year. And, and also, I guess, does that tell us, would this, would this have been a really good year for a playoff, like a, a, a bigger playoff, sorry? Just Maybe. because of – I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm I – mean, I mean, I'm a little, I, I think I'm, every year would be a good year for a bigger playoff, actually. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, I think we're going to see what happens. I, I think maybe everyone is going to kind of start talking themselves into uh, maybe this is, is the most wide-open playoff we've seen. I, I think Georgia's probably going to roll easily. Um, it's maybe one of those just layups that's easy. I, I, I do think TCU can beat Michigan. I think it's possible. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's likely. Um because as I was watching the TCU Kansas State game, and I thought I thought this kind of watching a lot, you know, the first time they played this year too, it was like, oh gosh, man, Kansas State might just be better than TCU. Um, and like I said, I mean, they 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 were beating them up pretty good until Will Howard got hurt in that first game, and he missed like four or five series before he came back in. Um, so I don't know, but also oh. Michigan has Michigan has also played close games competitive games into the fourth quarter against every functional offense they've played this season. You got to ask yourself a question, which which type of Riley is going to show up for TCU? Is it going to be uh, Lincoln as a offensive coordinator, you know, first time at OU, uh, you know, taking on Clemson, you know, with Baker Mayfield? Is it going to be that type of I mean, th- you know, they they went into the locker room with the lead, but the offense wasn't, you know, it was okay. It was, it was whatever. It was still, it was first year at OU. Or is it going to be the, the Lincoln Riley, his, his first year as a head coach, you know, with, uh, you know, go, domination, incredible game script against Georgia, and then turtling it and looking lost after halftime. You know, which, which Riley is Garrett going to be in his first playoff game calling plays? Is it gonna, or is it going to be something we haven't seen before? And will well, TCU pull, was- pull the upset? If I was TCU, I'd come out just throwing freaking haymakers. That's what I would do. Just yeah, everything. I mean, they, uh, like anything to generate big, massive plays. That's all I'd be doing. Chucking it deep to Quentin Johnston. Getting the ball to... Um, uh, to why am I blanking on their running back's name right now? Uh, Kendra Miller. Yeah, Kendra Miller. Thank you. G- get him the ball creatively in space. See what he can do with it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I that, that, that's a game that screams to me, ah, we're going we're gonna to look at every angle of it. And then... And then Michigan is probably just going to beat them up in the trenches, and that's going to be the game. Yeah, I am happy, though, that the matchups are what they were because I think it would have been really lame if it was TCU-Georgia and Ohio State-Michigan in the semifinal. I'm glad, I'm glad this is the semifinal matchup because I think this provides the two most interesting matchups before the title game, whichever, you know, whatever that's going to be. Yeah, no, these are good. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a good playoff this year. These are two, I, I think, really good semifinal games on paper that is um yeah georgia ohio state has the opportunity to be really good um i cj stroud is on the other side against a defense full of a bunch of nfl guys so ooh, that might that it might get ugly but we'll see <laughs> so other than that uh, i mean i know you got uh, Deion sanders going to colorado as one of the i mean big story I, I mean i don't know much about how he is as a coach it's entertaining uh, i know the I, I, you know, I, you know, we got some friends. I got some friends in Colorado that are really pumped up about it. Uh, uh, one of our, our, our good friends uh, is convinced that Deion Sanders is going to make Colorado a, a contender immediately in the Pac-12 if, and maybe even a playoff contender in the next two or three years. That's a bit extreme, but... Can I... I again, may, I, I think yeah. it's extreme because I, I, got, I got to push back on this. There's, so I, his, I, I loved his offensive coordinator hire. That's really smart going to get a... You know the head coach at Kent State to come and run your offense. I think that was a really good hire. Did you see who who he hired as, as his defensive coordinator? Isn't it like an assistant at Alabama? No, it's you, you're not going to get you're not going to get it's going to come out of you're going to be like oh weird. No no he no. Hired it's, Mike it, Zimmer as his defensive no, coordinator. No that I think that was like initially reported. That's that's not who he ended up hiring. Are you oh are you sure? That, yeah I, I, yeah I don't know where that came from. I guess Mike Zimmer was working on Dion's staff. At Jackson State, really? So, that, okay. No, so this is I, I. So I must. I. I would have missed any sort of correction to this. Then I saw this late in the day yesterday. All right. So like all these stories, you type Mike Zimmer's name in, and all these stories say that he's the new defensive coordinator. But if you type in, uh, let's see, Colorado, and I was looking at this this morning, like 
6 a.m. Because I was super confused. And now, now you see ESPN article from a day ago says uh, Charles Kelly from Alabama joins as defensive coordinator. I, 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 but yeah, but you're I don't saying see you're seeing a ton of stuff saying that Mike Zimmer is the defensive coordinator. Okay, hold on. Here we go. So I, I think uh, Larry Fitzgerald's dad reported Mike Zimmer was going to be the coach. Uh, and Larry Fitzgerald's at, dad is a is like a very prominent member. Yeah, of he's like, a reporter. Yeah, he, he's, he's, like he's a very prominent member of like the Minnesota kind of whatever. He, he he's got a lot of connections with the Vikings, but uh, which obviously where, where Zimmer was for years. So and now I'm looking at Brian Howell, who uh, on Twitter is uh, a Colorado beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera and author of several sports books and he's got a he's 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 verified and he says uh regarding the reports of former vikings head coach mike zimmer becoming the defensive coordinator at colorado i was told that is quote not happening and howell also has a report saying that multiple sources tell him that colorado is hiring alabama associate defensive coordinator charles kelly to be the well there you go so it's 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 bizarre i i I don't know why it's i mean but he's got he gets a, a a a high-level Alabama assistant, that ain't bad either on paper, right? So, yeah, it's a, Oh, I was going to say that. Well, I was going to say is Mike Zimmer, that would have been a horrible, terrible hire for Deion Sanders. Oh, um, really? Yes. Terrible, awful. Can you, can you imagine that miserable man recruiting <laughs> high school kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a guy... Oh, no, is that... That's a guy who, good, like, though, the Vikings put him out of his misery when they fired him. He's the guy just doesn't... I don't think he wants to be alive anymore. <laughs> he just he just didn't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's just he just hates every he hates life. He hates everybody and everything. Let's see. I want to double check. Yeah, yeah. Mike Zimmer's Mike Zimmer was working as an assistant at Jackson State with Deion Sanders, so that's probably where that came from. So, anyways, fascinating. Uh, anyway, that was it's, it's, we just wasted five minutes of everybody's lives. <laughs> I, I do find this interesting. It seems very polarizing, this hire. Uh, I, I, I mean, again, I don't know enough about Deion Sanders as a coach because I don't follow, like, what is Jackson State? Is that FCS? I don't even know what that Yeah, it's what FCS, that but the, um, the SWAC is kind of, cons- is like, is the worst conference of FCS. Like, they're significantly worse than pretty much everyone yeah. else in the FCS. See, but, I mean, he recruits, you know, great players guys that could have gone to d1 schools what was the the big five-star guy was it, i think tra- was it travis hunter is that the travis name? hunter as i say and i and you know what i no one's heard of him at all this season and it's what happens when you go to jackson state true but i'm sure he's very happy <laughs> uh and oh that's right because yeah your whole thought was like yeah you're happy he's going there because now he can't go to usc or some other exactly. school and like it's ter- a it's terrorize great. OU. that's that's one that's one less guy that alabama and georgia can have that too yeah so, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, very interesting. Uh, Caleb Williams probably going to win the Heisman. He's the favorite right now. Uh, but he's, he's all of a sudden in the last week or two become very unlikable. Very, very unlikable. <laughs> like the whole fingernail thing. I mean, he did that at OU, but he didn't write anything on them like he did uh, recently. And then the whole Twitter thing when he was criticizing Max Duggan, but then he kind of walked it back and – it's just, uh, I mean, he's a he's a college kid. He's probably what nineteen or twenty, and he just kind of doesn't really doesn't really kind of get it when it comes to that. But he's a damn good football player. <laughs> I'm so that's I'm gonna say my, this: my take him, on Caleb Williams right now, him writing "f Utah" on his fingernails. Right, the issue here is him just writing on his fingernails. That's weird. Him saying "f Utah" is not weird. Like if you put a mic on the field to see what to hear what those guys say to each other in the game. Like, are you kidding me? Like and so everyone who's kind of freaking out and being like, "Oh gosh, there's no class because he wrote F Utah on his on his fingernails." Who cares? What a weird thing to be upset about. Uh I I think it's dumb whenever you have like, expletive like that is out in the open. And and you're a you're a kid. I think that's cause, like you don't you don't wear t-shirts around that say F Utah, you know, just in public. That's my issue with it. It's like that's just kind of a yeah, it's kind of immature. Yeah, it's a little it's, it's not, a little immature, cool. but like eh, eh. It's a lot of immature. It's it's a, what what happened him 
His, his stupid Twitter thing with Max Duggan was way worse, was way less self-aware. Yeah. I, I think it all kind of... Actually, yeah. It's like now that I'm saying bad. this all out loud, who cares? God, this is dumb. <laughs> it's all... St- it's all dumb. Yeah, because like, well, wasn't that the thing? Because he, cause he was crying at the end of the Pac-12 championship game, and it was the video of Max Duggan crying during the press conference after they lost, and but he just like he quote tweeted it and just said LOL or something like that. Yeah, I think he he quote tweeted a, an RG three tweet that was complimenting Max Duggan, or like how can you not root for Max Duggan? And there was like a picture of him or a video of him when he was crying, and I think Caleb quote tweeted that by saying lol and then i think he replied to it again and then he had his his reasoning of like hey well you know i i get crap for crying but now you know everyone celebrates max duggan and and my, my whole thing was like well i went back at rg3's timeline rg3 didn't have any tweets criticizing caleb williams about crying so i don't know why he picked rg3 why he picked that tweet to go ahead and say man there's a double standard here because with RG three, there wasn't the the person you're you're pointing out. There was no double standard. He didn't, well, he's he didn't probably just comment. projecting because it's social media and he's oh hundred percent, hundred percent. But it, it doesn't. I mean, you got to. I, I guess I give people too much credit. I mean, it it almost came off as he was like a ta- like when I first saw the tweet, I thought, oh, did did RG three have a tweet criticizing Caleb Williams? I went back on RG 3s timeline. No, he didn't. He didn't. It was he actually only had praise for Caleb Williams. So you're right, and he was like projecting all the other probably tweets and stuff he got from other people or he heard criticizing him and he chose that one which was a bad move and and ultimately it's like well I, honestly Caleb like every time you lose games I he, he cry like I think he cries every time he loses a game so it's kind of like what he does <laughs> that's kind of like Billy Bob and varsity blues you know because Billy Bob you know he cried because Billy Bob cries uh, I mean he hadn't lost many games Caleb Williams but I seem to remember after the last Utah game screenshots of him on the sideline kind of with red eyes as well uh and max duggan i don't i don't think he's established himself as a guy who cries after every game so i i don't know i mean maybe there's a difference there uh like maybe people are are kind of like hey dude why are you crying so much after games whereas uh with max duggan we just saw him cry what maybe if max duggan loses again and cries again maybe people are going to go after him now this is is um, my thought i don't know (laughs) i'd much rather just talk about billy bob from varsity blues yeah yeah he's He's a hero. I, was gonna say, I, I, I regret putting this in the rundown now. It's like, because now sure? that we're talking about it, I'm just like, I just have this voice in the back of my head going, oh my God, who cares? <laughs> this, this is a so stupid, stupid thing to talk about. This is just like, anyway, he is going to win the Heisman Trophy, and I really wish he was still Oklahoma's quarterback. End of story. Yeah, me too. How about this to end it? We're recording this in the middle of Thursday night football. It would appear, I'm not watching it, but it would appear, Grant, that the Rams are playing Baker Mayfield tonight. <laughs> Is he's, it ugly? He's, he's in the box it? score. I, I, I mean, he's not doing anything. I mean, they're down 13 to, 10, uh, 13 to 3. It's almost halftime. Uh, Baker is 3 of 4 for 65 yards. That's not bad. So, uh, but they, they must not have had the football very much. Let me look at the time of possession splits here. Let's see. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, the, the Raiders are dominating time of possession. They've had the ball for almost 20 minutes. So, all right, well. There you go. Oh, the, uh, the, the Rams have one turnover. What happened? What'd they do? Who turned it over? Oh, Cam Akers fumbled. Oh, shocker. Gosh, I no. hate, like, man, I just don't, I, I can't. I'm not, I'm not going to get roped in again. Just not going to do it with Baker. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it, nothing makes sense. The fact that he's, he's been so bad. The he's fact that he's so, the so worst of, of, of the three the fact that it's it's gone totally opposite of like how it should be is I, it's it's broken it, my brain. I don't I, I have zero I have zero trust in my eyes. I have zero trust in my ability to to evaluate anybody. Yeah, here's the thing. Good for Jalen Hurts. I mean, you were right about him. I was wrong. I it, it doesn't make any sense why he's been. I didn't think he was be this good this year. It, it it makes no sense to me. And every single game that he continues to like play pretty well. Uh, it, it 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 doesn't make sense. It he's playing doesn't. as well as like he's playing as well basically as as Lamar Jackson did the year he won the MVP. I I mean he's playing which better, is, which is BS, man. It sucks. That sucks. Like, <laughs> I mean, I thought Lincoln Riley would be the best like offensive mind like to kind of get. A, I mean, Lincoln Riley basically got him drafted in what the second round, 
Second, yeah, second round. Yeah, but Lincoln I mean, Riley also kind of gave up on him in the last four or five games of that season, though. Just said, ah, oh, yeah, we're not, we're not really throwing it anymore. We're gonna, we're gonna turn into Colin Klein, Kansas State offense. He did, and I mean, I don't blame him because he couldn't throw. So I, but now he can apparently. Maybe it helps. When it, well, like Jalen Hurts did have a an NFL receiver on his team, C.D. Lamb. I was gonna say maybe it helped, but I guess. He has more now. I mean, he's got obviously, you know, AJ Brown. Well, no, Brown that's where I mean, that's that, that's one of that's one of Lincoln Riley's big flaws is that he it always kind of seems like he's too proud sometimes to do the play of yeah, just throw it to our guy who's better than everybody else under yeah. any circumstance. Well, against LSU, they 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 finally kind of did that. Just it's too late. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's all we have for this particular episode. Uh, I have no idea when our next one's going to be. <laughs> we'll just we'll play it by year. <laughs> uh, when's uh, OU's game? They, OU plays what one, two, three weeks from tonight, Grant. And they got the they have the uh, the the late afternoon, early evening kick, whereas the Alamo Bowl has the uh, primetime kick, and that's what Texas and Washington that same day. Bang. And I'm pretty sure so, the game. Uh, I think the game in between. OU and Texas's game is is another Big Twelve game. No, I think it, it goes. Uh, you know, OU and Florida State. I think it's a four thirty kick, and then uh, the late kick, eight o'clock, is uh, is Texas Washington. I, don't, I think that's the last two games of the day. Oh yeah, I think you're okay. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I was thinking it's the um, it's the oh, it's right. The the Gophers play in the uh, the Pinstripe Bowl right before OU plays. So I got kind of no got the triple kidding. header there that I get to watch. That's fun. Wow. Well, I better start hydrating. It'll be a long day for you. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll right. probably just be drinking water the entire time. We don't I don't I don't really get too uh too crazy with that stuff these days. All right, we will let you all know on the West of Evers Facebook page whenever we will come back with our next episode. So until that time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Evers. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.